Pronounce your name. Can you say my first name? All of it. <laughs> can, can you say it's Arash. It's Arash um, right, right. uh, Afshar. That's my full name. Um, Afshar. Okay, I wasn't yeah. sure if it was Afshar or. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. You, you, whatever <laughs> noise in that combination you make, I'll respond to it. Um, <laughs> the, the artist name was. Damn foreign people. Man. Yeah. So yeah, I'm glad that my name is easy. Yeah, it's Miss. Uh, it, the Mr. Arash is sort of like the artist name okay. that I got christened. It initially started with just kind of like uh, setting up my social media channels and just kept making Mr. Arash, like starting with MySpace. Like, all right, fine, Mr. Arash. What's your email address? Mr. Arash. <laughs> and it was, it was that because it was a nickname that I had when I was a kid yeah. in, in Iran. And um, then when I got into the hip hop scene, my creative partner was like, Mr. Arash is a cool hip-hop name yeah. just stick with that that is a very <laughs> so cool just, name so it's just stuck with mr arash forever nice nice yeah go for it yeah. you want to get started yeah do let's the, get started the intro so okay i mean you do so many things mm. i'm very impressed with your busy schedule um but you are also the host of the burner podcast and that's what i wanted to bring you on tonight to talk to you about is the world of Burning Man, because you seem like you're deep behind the scenes and you know a lot about what's going on. Yeah, that 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 at least I'm really good at making it sound like that. Okay. On, <laughs> on the show. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, yeah burner podcast. Um, we've been doing that for I guess it's like three years now. Nice. Now that I'm looking at the time, it's weird how you keep saying something is X amount of time and then one day you stop and you look back and you're like, wow, it's actually been longer at this point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, Burner Podcast, um, I actually, I, I discovered the Burning Man community through Utopia, which is the San Diego regional burn. Mm -hmm. And Do you went to Utopia before you ever went to Burning Man? Absolutely, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. That was the first one. Um, and how and long I, ago was that? That was, like, well, the one that just passed this weekend, which is the reason my voice is kind of half gone, <laughs> is, uh, it was the, my, my fifth one. Nice. 50 Utopia. Okay. And it was uh, at that Utopia, I, I had, you know, the magical transformational experience that people describe from going to these festivals um, that I feel bad because I feel like at this point, like if you go and you don't have that experience, people <laughs> feel like they, they have to make it up or something or <laughs> exaggerate something. Because yeah. I've had conversations with people that attend a festival like this and they come back and they're saying, describing how magical it was. I'm like, well, tell me about it. And they don't really have much to tell yeah. you. So I feel like they just almost mm. feel like peer pressure to say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was a magical experience and it transformed me. And the, the weekend ended with me, you know, Friday night, I got my ass kicked. Uh, not physically. <laughs> uh, it was just an ass-kicking experience with, okay. with psychedelics. And then Saturday was a magical, amazing experience and made new friends and new explorations. And by Sunday, I was looking around and saying, like, where the fuck have you people been my whole life? Oh, yeah. Um, I have been looking for you, like, everywhere. And I, how is it possible that all of you have been hanging out together and I didn't know? <laughs> like, there's this party that I was super invited to and I just didn't even know it existed. So um, I can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> so then uh, I immediately started to 
look into what sort of gift I could give to the community. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just sort of my autopilot is I immediately want to know how I can get plugged in and get involved and uh, just because it's more, uh, I don't know, I get more serotonin that way. Mm-hmm. I, I feel better about a party if I have contributed to setting yeah. up the party. That um, makes sense. Yeah. yeah, I don't like to just show up. So uh, not, there's nothing wrong with showing up. You should. I want you to show up because I'm, that's why I'm doing the work, but right. it's just my, my autopilot is that. And so it started out with uh, doing some little video interviews because I'm my, my background is predominantly photography and filmmaking. Oh. And but then I started doing these little video interviews and immediately my feeling was like, God, this is a lot of work. <laughs> you know, like, video editing is yeah. a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. It's not something I look forward to. Hmm. Um but then it also dawned on me one day when I was driving to LA, uh, that the stories are um, they're too interesting to cut into a 15 minute video oh yeah because everybody I would meet was just so interesting and fascinating and had so much interesting so many interesting topics to contribute to so on the drive back from LA it dawned on me like oh wait why don't I do a podcast mm. <laughs> I've been doing that for at that point I think like three years on you, the other show the crazy awesome one crappy awesome Cra- is, sorry yeah. crappy one. Crap- I like crazy awesome though <laughs> Crappy awesome. <laughs> yeah, crappy awesome podcast, which has been on for I think like six or seven years at this point. That's um, in the independent hip hop scene. Okay, and that was the first show that we started, which led to the Platform Collection Network, which is multiple hip hop podcasts being hosted by different artists. Mm. And uh, yeah, and I was like, oh, okay, well, I've been doing that, so why don't I do? It a was podcast? an easy transition, yeah. straight into it. Okay. Well, even one of the reasons that I hadn't started it to begin with was because um, I'm not an audiophile, like, mm. and crappy awesome we have like the mics set up and all this stuff and my creative partner is a producer so he's doing all the mixing and everything so i felt intimidated with the idea of recording conversations that weren't going to be as clean and up to par yeah but one thing led to another i was like all right fuck it let's just do this um i ended up connecting with meg king who is a friend of mine in the community and she helped me explore and get connected around a lot and i asked her if she'd take over production for the show and book the guests for me. And she said, that would be amazing. Um, and then I also connected with uh, Alpie, who's another friend who lives in the Bay Area now, and she wanted to start a blog. And I said, hey, I'm starting this podcast thing. Why don't you, you know, would you be interested in coming in under this brand and doing the blogging for that? And she said, that sounds perfect. So, um, and I was, uh, by the way, this this was the big 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 selling point too. When I, so when I decided on a po- or when I thought about doing a podcast, I went and looked up the URL, mm-hmm. uh, burnerpodcast.com, and I saw that it was available. So wow. I bought it. And then I looked around and I just kept searching and searching and searching, trying to find a regular show about the Burning Man community and couldn't find one. Inconceivable. That's <laughs> just crazy. Could not wrap my brain around it. But wow. as you guys probably know, iTunes is a graveyard of amazing shows that got started and people mm-hmm. quit after like six episodes. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. you you know you start to do it and you're like oh shit this is work this is a lot of work <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then and, then it, and that's the thing and I've mentored mm-hmm. quite a few people through this process um, and it's mostly people just don't realize that yeah you're basically starting another job yeah yeah um, and you're gonna have to do it regularly and yeah like one of the lessons that I learned was crappy awesome is a weekly show mm. and I was always against that idea my partner really wanted to do that so we did it. Um, so when I started Crappy Awesome, I'm like, we're doing it twice a month. Weekly is mm-hmm. too much of a workload. Oh, yeah. 
That's what happened. Right with, <laughs> when we first started, I was like, I want to do it once a week. And I think after the first one, I was like, I was a bit naive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now we're like every other week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twi- I, think, I think twice a month is safe. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, you can always add to it. Yeah. You can always go, but going down sucks. <laughs> That's right. like a bruise to your own ego. It, yeah. it doesn't look good. Um, but yeah, I kept looking and kept looking and I found a couple of other podcasts similarly that had maybe like a handful of episodes and that was it and they never went anywhere. So I'm like, all right, I know I can, I know I have it in me to like stick on the treadmill for the long term. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm going to do. It's really important to have a team with mm-hmm. you because I, I started this podcast by myself and I, I was doing everything, booking people and editing and everything. And I just felt it was way over my head and mm-hmm. I was so grateful when Nicole offered to, um, take uh, some of that load off by um, scheduling amazing people like yourself yeah. and and uh, also just arranging things and so I and also just the dynamics that she brings um, are do you do you do it on your own the do you have just one guest and yourself so uh, burner podcast uh, first of all I was just gonna say as you were describing the workload um, the final thing you said was about the dynamic that she brings I feel like that's that's the that's the it, all, that other stuff is valuable, but just not being alone, <laughs> it just really helps. <laughs> um, even if you're doing all the work, yeah. like even if you're doing all the heavy lifting, just just having somebody yeah. else there who's with you on the journey. Yeah, yeah. Completely, we agree. save each other's ass. Yeah. Sometimes I'll like draw a blank, or she'll draw a blank, and I'll be yeah. like, "Oh, what about this?" <laughs> totally, like, oh, exactly. totally. I know exactly what you're describing. Exactly. Um, Burner Podcast initially started with one-on-one interviews. Okay. With with a single person about um, just them, their lives. It was a it was a dissection of this individual person, mm-hmm. and then at about episode t- twenty five, I want to say was that was the one that was the turning point for the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it turned into we did an episode called a sober burn, and the guest on the show um, we decided would be best if she remained anonymous, not because she had an issue with having a whole episode with about drugs, but because she was going to be talking about other people and we were like, why don't we just make their lives easier by keeping her anonymous? And so the, the show became more of a topic-based episode. Mm-hmm. And it, that was the episode that the show shifted. So from then on, um, we still do like the one-on-one interviews, but they will be more topic-focused mm-hmm. or it'll be more topic-focused about the individual and like what they're working on. Okay. So I still kind of go through and dissect a person and go through their lives and all that kind of stuff, but it is the title of the show is... Not just like the person's name. Uh, It'll be what what the general theme right. of the show is. So there's that, and then we also do like the um, like camp profiles are usually about three or more people that sit in and they talk about how a camp came together, how they were founded, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, we also do like topic roundtables, um, and so usually if it's some sort of a topic, I prefer to have more than one voice talking about it, yeah. so it's not just one person's opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like for example, we did an episode on tantra. Yeah. I was just going to mm-hmm. mention that one with oh, yeah. Sean and Amy. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. So that was like, that was one I was like, you know, Amy's a friend. I didn't know Sean until we recorded, but like it, it was good to have two different voices on there. Mm-hmm. So Which you can get perspective. Amy Thornton. Amy Thornton. Oh, okay. I know. Sure. Yeah. Hi awesome. Amy. Shout out. <laughs> Hi Amy. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that was an example. Um, but yeah, whenever I can get more than one voice on there to give different perspectives, uh, that's very helpful. Um, but yeah, but but the one-on-one interviews are definitely my favorites. Right, beautiful. So 
And I definitely want to get into Burning Man, but first I want to hear about Utopia because you both have been to Utopia and I never have. And I'm actually uh, more excited, I should say more motivated Mm -hmm. to go to Utopia Mm -hmm. than I am to Burning Man Mm because it's just so much work and so much money and so much heat and dirt. Yes. Actually, I I haven't been to Burning Man. So I've been to local festivals. Go ahead. So anyways, um, I'm, I'm... feeling like next year my goal is to finally go to utopia and i was just what are some highlights of this past weekend that you can share with us oh gosh um so utopia this this connects back to the earlier part of the story i went to utopia that was my first ever burn event it's what sucked me into the community immediately it was like how what is my gift what is my gift that's how the podcast came about and i i'm not 100 percent sure but i'm gonna guess that well, I guess like looking back now, I do know that the podcast helped me like very quickly get connected to a lot of different people in different parts of the community. Mm. Um, and very quickly I became friends with a lot of decision makers throughout the community. And I was not expecting to go to Burning Man that year. And it happened because Meg was my producer. Um, it just turns out that she could not go. And she was the co-lead on San Diego's regional project. So she asked me to take over that spot and go on her behalf and be the co-lead on Playa. Um, so my first Burning Man, I went with this huge responsibility, which at the time I didn't think would be a huge responsibility. But then like once you get out there and the Playa starts kicking the shit out of you, you realize what a dumb decision that was. Um, but if I had not been called to um, to duty, if you will, I, I don't think I would have gone to Burning Man. I, don't, I wouldn't have been able to convince myself. To, I wouldn't have been able to get the money together. But mm. because I had like a call to action, yeah. I got my shit together and I got out there. Um, and then the first episode of the show was released. We recorded it before my first burn and was released after. Oh, oh so. so you started the Burner podcast or you had the idea to start the Burner podcast before you yeah, went to Burning yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Because it's the, for me immediately, and, and I'm still, I very much stand by this. The community, the community is, I don't know what the word is. It's a more important part of it to me than the event. Right, right. And you can even talk to people at Burning Man HQ that will agree with that. Mm. The community is really the core of what's happening. Burning Man is an event. Right, that's how I feel. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know that I can't fully understand Burning Man until I've gone, but I'm a... All my friends surrounded I by the burner community. You already you feel like a burner. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. Like, oh yeah, and that was it. That was it. Basically, like the the. the I don't know the thesis question of the podcast was like kind of what is a burner and Mm -hmm. that is a topic that comes up regularly and for the show I've had this like basic rule that you should have attended Burning Man at least once Mm -hmm. just so I can kind of keep some reins on it if you will Mm -hmm. but really the show is about the community the 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 subtitle of the show is for those who burn the other 350 days a year yeah and it's about what people bring to the community. It's about how they're living their day-to-day lives. It's about subjects that are of interest to the community. Um, There's enough shit out there about Burning Man, the event. The community Mm. is really, really, that's, that's the magic. That's the magic that makes the event magical. And, but wait, so uh, hold on. Did we get sidetracked? Are you? Are yeah, you? Yeah, I'm sorry. You, uh, I didn't know if this was going to tie into your highlights of this weekend. It, would have. it totally would have. <laughs> um, and here's the interesting part: whenever when I go to Burning Man, I come back feeling like physically stronger. Utopia physically kicks my ass a little bit more for some reason. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, but Utopia is is smaller. Uh, obviously, it's it's thirty five hundred people instead of seventy thousand. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I, I I really I love the magic of. I mean, it really is a lot of the people that I most want to connect with mm. on Playa anyway. Yeah, are um, you associated with specific? Um, uh, groups here in San Diego or, or are you free camps? floating? Like, camps, yeah. 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 You got the camps. Um, my camp in San Diego goes by ASAP and we, okay. we're not, we've never been very official. <laughs> we're just kind of a crew of friends. We're just yeah. family. We're really tight with each other and but we don't really have like a camp mission or a theme or anything. This utopia, our camp was popping because Dawn, uh, our, our, our camp mom basically really yeah. brought it and really pushed to organize and bring more art and stuff. But, yeah. Um, yeah, Utopia, it's, it's smaller. The terrain is a forest setting rather than, you know, Burning Man, which is a flat lake yeah. bed. Right. Um, also, the environment is not trying to kill you or get you to leave the entire time. <laughs> Although it gets fucking cold up on the mountain sometimes. Yeah, it gets cold. Yeah, it gets a little cold. But yeah, a sleeping bag will fix that. Yeah, yeah. yeah you put some fur on and you're fine. <laughs> yeah. Burning Man, the, it's, a, it's an ancient dry lake bed and... Like, I mean, you have to go through a gallon of water every day. I mean, this environment has done everything in its power to tell every living thing in the world to leave. Yeah. Like, leave. And, mm-hmm. and then somehow, you know, all these idiots show up once a year. Let's go there. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's go here and, by the way, be out of our minds. Yeah. <laughs> you know? let's then let's build a bunch of giant shit and, you know, climb on it and set it on fire. Like, it's, uh, it's, it's insanity. There's nothing, nothing logical about this. Not get, like, I... You know, uh, you mentioned drugs and, mm. you know, people drop, you know, whatever, acid. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you not just completely get lost at Burning Man? I mean, in you a do. city of 70,000. <laughs> and then you, do you ever come back to, you know, your camp? Or do you just basically just accept the fact that you, you have a new family now? <laughs> I've heard both versions of that story. I have heard both versions of that story. And you don't have to go to Burning Man for that to happen. I've seen that happen at Utopia. Mm. Um, I mean, like you're asking, like, just, you know, we keep getting sidetracked. But like some of the things that I did at Utopia, um, I, you know, I danced a lot. I can tell you, like, it was a lot of fun. I really had a great time this Utopia. Um, one of the biggest probably the biggest thing for me this year at Utopia which has been different than every other time I've burned is that I was with someone the whole time oh. we cohabitated a space nice. mm-hmm. um, you're talking about like a lover you have? yes yeah. yeah and it's uh, god it's, it's funny I mean I haven't had like a title for somebody in like seven years mm-hmm. so it feels kind of weird to say girlfriend but I'm pretty sure that's what it's going to be soon <laughs> wow. um, it's funny on, on the intro to the last episode of Burner Podcast before I headed out to Utopia I had described this is what I'm going to be experiencing for the first time I'm going to be burning with a partner mm. and I ran into somebody Saturday night mm. at Utopia um, I think like somebody's saying talking to me and somebody's joking around with me we're like in the middle of um, we're in the middle of this art project that is like a almost like a little teeny 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 maze right and it's all like uv paints and lights that you can draw on it and you put on your 3d glasses and see all of the things that people have written in like 3d popping out at you it's really cool um so i'm in there and i'm chatting with somebody and they're making a joke and then they introduce me to their friend and their friend is like uh the guy's name is malcolm i remember he's like uh oh you're a rush but nobody calls you mister 
And uh, <laughs> it turns out that he's been listening to the show for a long time. Aww. How did he, he recognize you by voice? Yeah. Well, I mean, wow. he heard my name and then he heard my voice. He's like, okay. I heard your voice and I thought it was you, but then when he heard the name. Wow. And then it, uh, and then he's like, oh, it's really cool to meet you. He's like, I've been listening to the show for a long time. And he actually came to Utopia because we keep talking about Utopia on the show. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So that was, so that was pretty cool. That happened uh, at Utopia. At the burn, I ran into two or three people that recognized me by voice alone. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was, that was new. That was a new experience. Because um, I'm certain people have recognized me by my voice from the hip hop show. Okay. But I think that like, Hip hop fans are less likely to come up and tell you that they just might like hang out in the back of the room with their arms crossed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got an image to upkeep. Yeah, but the burners will come up and tell you and give you a hug and say thank you for the show and all that kind of stuff. So, how did it feel to have, uh, let's call her a girlfriend right now? Um, <laughs> in because I mean, one of the things about Utopian, I uh, assume Burning Man, is that shit happens, like yeah. craziness ensues at every corner. Can we? Um, you want to? Can we just let everyone know? that you the partner you're with right now you met at utopia yeah sure oh, yeah nice. <laughs> yeah i'm i'm with someone uh actually she just moved to san diego and i met her at utopia last year and oh, we beautiful. ventured uh yeah like most of the nights then and uh, it was pretty magical i think like drugs definitely brought us together mm-hmm. it broke the ice yeah. and then later we started finding out about each other it's like oh shit we got shit in common and even yeah. when we're sober, when we're sober <laughs> yeah but definitely uh it's yeah, it's well, a catalyst it, 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 the thing is depends like so it's the substance um you know if like we're talking about psychedelics you know like a, an eight hour trip on you know lsd with somebody is like a 24 hour experience. Mm-hmm. It's like a multiple day experience mm-hmm. with somebody because of like how and there's deep so you many layers, each other, right? So many layers. Right. But like, uh, you know, there's like, if you're just like drinking or, you know, doing blow or something like that, it's like, I don't think that I don't want to judge how people like connect with each other, but mm-hmm. I feel like there's a difference because I've known a lot oh, of people of who have connected, you know, over, um, what I like to call like the, the body fun drugs that mm-hmm. don't actually do anything to expand you. Yeah. Um, but I've seen that before where people just get stuck to each other based on a substance they're doing with each other a lot. Like mm-hmm. even like ecstasy. I've seen people that like really get into the rave scene and they're all about doing ecstasy with each other. But like mm-hmm. when they're not on the drug, they're not really mm-hmm. connecting. Mm-hmm. And I guess like ultimately you could say that with any substance, mm-hmm. yeah. but, um, but I, I, that's something that's fascinating to me. Like a, a mushroom date with somebody, yeah. oh, you get yeah. to really go in deep oh, yeah. Yeah. and you get to have conversations and you like, and it, and because this four hour experience feels like 10 hours, it yeah. feels like a longer journey you've been on with each yeah. other. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. so intimate. So, yeah. So it can be pretty magical. Um, yeah, I, I met this person before the burn this year. There was an art show in Ramona um, that I had some pieces hanging up at and she happened to come to that because some people from her staff like just told her like oh hey you're in a burning man it looks like there's this art show happening so she came and that's where we met wow and then we ended up hanging out uh like three nights at the burn and then on the last day of burning man my ride left me uh which was (laughs) (laughs) the the long and short of it was that um the driver was a virgin and I think are we talking about Burning Man version or Sex Virgin? Okay, that's what I thought. But yeah, I wanted to clarify. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I, th- I think that at the end of the week he was completely serotonin deprived and oh, yeah. beaten up, and uh, it's just it's, it's a marathon. 
Long story, but like one thing led to another, and I'm like, where's my ride? And he just (laughs) taken off in a rage. Oh my God. Um, And so I I did not, by the way, I didn't get upset like at all. Like there was not a moment where I got upset because one of the biggest things that drew me to this community Mm. with burners, like that's what I fucking love about burners is like you kind of like. It all works out throw some ply on it you're like alright let's fucking figure this out we yep. have friends we have community yep. we'll fix it yep. it's one of the tenets right um, uh, community um, yeah. not community but uh, com- independence or what do you call it um, radical radical self-reliance self-reliance yeah. uh, but then there's also radical inclusion there's also okay. community efforts yeah. and these things yeah. all kind of play with each other right Right. Uh, but yeah like I reached I, I, I have enough friends so I, at the community so mm-hmm. I just kind of reached out to a couple of people and figured out some plan B's and then I ended up connecting um with my partner mm-hmm. and it actually turned out perfectly because she had the space plus she'd had like this terrible car accident from leaving the burn the previous year um, somebody else was driving and they loaded the truck wrong and they oh. you know, so they got into this very traumatic experience and so her camp really didn't want her to leave alone right. but she had to go to this meeting in Sacramento so then when I came along and I'm like great I'm looking I'm actually I had been wanting to manifest the slow return to reality anyway for the right. first year. I usually come back from Burning Man and go straight to work. But this year, I want to take my time. Yeah. And it worked out perfectly that she was like, well, I got to go to Sacramento for a couple of days. I'm like, perfect, let's go. Right. So we rode out Sacramento. And then there, I got to record an awesome interview with Brian Baker, who is an Episcopal priest. Nice. And that was his third Burning Man. Nice. <laughs> Pretty yeah. Burning Man. Cool. Yeah, it's oh my god, he's he's so rad. Nice. And we had an amazing conversation. I, I love that episode. Uh, and then we went to San Francisco for a couple of nights, and then we drove down to San Diego, and we spent all this time together. So, going, being able to experience Burning Man with somebody, like you know, that was that was a good time, but we weren't cohabitating. Okay. Then we spent all this time coming back. We got to know each other and kind of push each other's limits a little is bit. Is she here in San Diego? Uh, she is in Borrego Springs. Oh, okay. It's about a couple hours right, from here in the right. desert. Uh, and then, so Utopia was really like a whirlwind thing where we got to experience each other more. And, and what we kept discovering about each other is we, one, communicate extremely well. Oh, that, <laughs> that's awesome. Out. That's yeah. the best. Yeah. No, and, and like when I'm, when I'm dating somebody, like my biggest fear is constantly like really my biggest fear about a lot of people around me is like, are are they going to be upset about things that I don't give a fuck about? Because <laughs> it's very rare to get me to get like to upset about right. something. Like mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get upset about injustice or somebody being a bully, like elitists, bullies. That pisses me off. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, like violence, social justice, like things that matter. Mm-hmm. But if you're like getting upset about, I don't know. Some somebody Person, said something yeah. at the bar. You know, yeah. who gives a fuck? Get over yeah. it. Yeah. Mm. So, so that. But at the same time, I'm compassionate for like the things people are going through. But right. when I'm looking for in a partner, is somebody who would be on my page with that? Like, okay, yeah. just you need someone who can keep up with you. Yeah, yeah. And so she, I just discovered over and over with her that she has that. And the more we spent time together, the more we both we were both talking about it. We're like, this is just effortless. Like, oh, we're just it on flows. the same page. Yeah, that's awesome. It just flowed beautifully and. I think, yeah, by the end of Utopia, we were very deeply bonded and mm, beautiful. It, it's, and it's funny, even like Sunday night, like uh, yesterday, I've just kind of been like a little bit of a zombie. I was just laying around recovering all day. And part of it was because Sunday night, I sh- probably should have gone to sleep <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and just, uh, you know, called it a day. But we wanted to go to the volunteer party and we kind of pushed ourselves to go and we ended up staying up late again. And um, that she got a little stomach sick. 
Mm. So I was kind of like uh, holding space for her in that situation. And the next day it turned out that that experience was extremely powerful for her and helped Why? her. Um, she felt cared. She felt cared for. Yeah. yeah. And she felt comfortable being vulnerable. Mm. Oh, that's so huge. Yeah. I so relate to needing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we both, we've both been experiencing that. Like right. me seeing that I have walls up that I didn't really know about, but at mm-hmm. the same time telling her directly like, Hey, I'm, I have some walls up here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so sorry to interrupt, but a um, bit of a synchronicity. I do a monthly event called Sexual Empowerment Circle. Mm-hmm. It's Which a, I keep trying to make it to. Dude, <laughs> I keep being booked on those nights. I completely <laughs> understand. Like, I don't even take it personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and at our last one, the big theme of the night was vulnerability. And how do I get myself to be vulnerable with my partner or how do I break down walls and relationships that I put up? And we had a very long discussion about it, but in the end, I felt like, to paraphrase everything that was said, the, the answer was simply speaking up about it, mm-hmm. saying something like, you know, um, I'm feeling scared right now right. because I have this assumption in my head that you're going to be turned off if I do this. Yeah, you yeah, know, something yeah. like that. And once you get once you start saying things like that more often, what you find is usually your partner is like, "Oh, well, I have this fear going on and yeah, yeah. I have this assumption going on that you're going to react, you know, and you yeah. realize that we all have our fears and our insecurities and our walls and just things that we could use more work and being more vulnerable about and totally i think that's where the magic in partnership happens is when you get into that flow mm-hmm. of this is what i'm feeling yeah. let's talk about it the so this is interesting um i've and trust me i'm gonna come back to this connection it's gonna make sense <laughs> in just a second <laughs> um i've walked quite a few people through what you might call a bad trip. I don't like calling it that. We call it a challenging trip. Mm. There's always lessons there. There's things to learn. Totally um, agree. If you don't believe that, you should not be taking psychedelics. That's right. <laughs> right. Totally. Um, so, and I found over and over as I'm taking people through these experiences and, and, how, and trying to kind of hold space for them, every one of them really is the same root cause. They'll have different reasons on the surface and they'll have different things they're explaining in different places their heads are going, but the root cause on all of them is a fear of judgment from other people. Oh, yeah. Like people are looking at, people are going to think this of me or people are going to think that of me or people think I'm acting crazy or oh, yeah. this kind of, and it comes from all this, right? And what I find that it's going to either help you get out of that space or it's going to help minimize being in that space by being as honest as people as, as possible with people. You have nothing to hide and you're comfortable bearing your soul to the world around you the way to do that, by the way, is to be an impeccable human being or at least make an effort Yeah, to be an impeccable human being or at right. least uh, <laughs> uh, uh, have a desire to constantly work on yourself right. yeah. uh, and be okay with that and see that as a beautiful thing, as a positive thing. Right. And if that's your goal in a non-psychedelic state, then when you end up in psychedelic state, you're, more, you're less likely to feel like you need to hide anything from the world. Right. You can just say things right out loud. And so I feel like um, uh, polyamory or... Uh, consensual ethical non-monogamy right. is like a relationship psychedelic right 
so, so with my partner, for example, I'd already communicated to her where I'm at with monogamy, and I'm, I'm not. And I don't know where I'm at with it. Mm-hmm. I know I'm not, you know, where like classic default world monogamy is. Right. But uh, I had um, a couple of different partners that was still seeing, were seeing each other, and so when I would, we would having these other people in my life and having the openness to be with other people and for her to have the openness to be with other mm-hmm. people, the only way to do this is to be really raw and open with each other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so that was another thing I think that propelled us forward very quickly is because we're bearing our souls to each other. It's like, because that's the way you keep from that psychedelic turning bad on you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's funny, we had this uh, conversation and we ended up having a phone call afterwards, but, um, but she like texted me to ask if, a certain partner of mine is going to be there camping with us, which she was. Mm. Um, and it was all that was fine, but like she was, she was watching and being aware that I'm having these conversations with my part, other partners about her and how our relationship is kind of propelling forward very quickly. Mm. Um, and then she was quiet for a while and there was no response. And so I responded to the text, just letting her know, like, I know this isn't what you're doing or I'm I'm assuming it's not, I'm, I'm just letting you know how I'm feeling. But this radio silence is giving me anxiety mm-hmm. and be based on my own baggage that I have from previous relationships. That, that's the important part, yeah. owning it. Yeah, yeah. This I'm, is, I know this is me, mm-hmm. but I need to talk about this right, right now. Right, right, right. I'm just sharing it with you so that you know me better. This is the anxiety that I have. It's the baggage that I have from previous relationships. When yeah. your radio silence is making me, um, and I know you're probably just like, you know, you're busy with other things, but it just, it just makes me think, blah, blah. And the, the, the point of the text, by the way, was like, we should talk about these things like over the phone, not via text. Right. Yeah. Um, so then she calls me back and then we have this emotional conversation mm. <laughs> where, where it turns out like here she is and she's like crying a little bit and here she is feeling really, really terrible that she made me feel bad. <laughs> And here I was feeling this anxiety that she's feeling mm-hmm. bad about me being with another partner and that it's hurting her, but that she doesn't want to say anything. So I was like projecting all the story onto right. her when in reality, her whole issue was that, oh no, I made him feel bad. Which right. is making, So it's this right. weird loop-de-loop that had, you know, nothing to do that, with the uh, thing. That we do every yeah. single goddamn day <laughs> yeah. with other human beings. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. No, I completely projected these jealousies and things on her based on my previous relationship of six years that had a lot of that. Um, But yeah, but every time we have one of these conversations, we get more and more connected. Yeah, Yeah, it's... mm, I love this shit. (laughs) I mean, it really... I I mean... So many people fail to acknowledge how easy communication really can be. It's simply, I'm feeling this right now in response to this. And this is what I'm afraid is going to happen. So it's easy and not easy. Let me explain. So I feel like it's very easy when I have time to introspect and kind of sit down with myself and check in. It's like, okay, this feels tense in my chest, blah, blah, blah. Okay, maybe I have this issue. What I'm having a hard time with is when you get triggered without warning Mm -hmm. and you're tired and you're exhausted, maybe, you know, on drugs or drunk. Right. And you have to somehow make the connection you know that they're not attacking you personally that you're having a reaction to something that happened to you in the past right Right. Uh, just the ability to become aware instantly is I think is gonna take me I don't wanna like I don't know it feels like it's gonna take me month or years to master to be able to just put that like pause can I what you're describing is a difficult thing please well I'm just gonna say um 
if I'm having an intense reaction, I automatically know I'm triggered. Okay, like I, I'm not gonna. So you you know when you're feeling an intense reaction, right? Yeah. So right away, that's my red flag that. I'm probably slipping out of an object, objective perspective right. and falling more into the perspective of the little girl who's scared right, and right, doesn't right. want to get hurt. Yeah. So that intense reaction is really all I need to know to communicate either to myself or the other person that something's going on right now. Uh, we're going to have to come back to this later or like mm. I might be reacting this way right now or saying this way saying these things because I'm triggered and it might take me time to process and figure out what's really going on but you know so you were saying like it's going to take you a long time to figure it out I feel like just it's, it's there's nothing to figure out is if I'm if I'm overly upset or angry or hurt or scared or sad I automatically know that is an opportunity to take a step back, communicate that I'm triggered, and um, notebook it for later. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The because that that thing that you're describing, like that process of, I always like saw it as like closing the gap between the experience that I'm having here in the physical world, what's mm. going on inside of my body, and then where my mind is. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I could tell you, like for me what we're looking at is years of meditation practice. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's a muscle just like any other muscle. It's years of meditation practice and then add to it. Um, my, my first ever, uh, DMT trip, which basically took my, uh, my spirituality, if you will, my psychological connection. It took it from like a, a, dial-up modem to <laughs> high-speed cable Wi-Fi. I love that. You know, and like, yeah, all this, exp- like I remember um, like a confrontation. For the majority of my life, uh, prior to meditation, mm-hmm. confrontation felt like this. I'm speaking to somebody, some sort of confrontation happens, and it could be anything. My face starts to flush, my heart starts to pound, my brain shuts down, and then like, I'm walking away pissed off and upset, mm-hmm. but I'm like, I don't want to say anything back because I know I'm going to lose this debate. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to lose it. And this person's going to win. And then when I walk away, my head starts to go through all these different things that I should have said. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, mm-hmm. I would do the thing where I could like write like a three page email to the person, <laughs> <laughs> which don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, as you know, like the email ends up going into like 17 different threads and it's a totally unfair way to interact <laughs> with somebody and communicate. So, all of this would happen. Um, then, then I started meditation. And then what would happen after I started to meditate for a while and I got better muscle, muscle memory is confrontation happens. My skin starts to flush. My heart starts to pound. And in my head, I would say, okay, breathe in, breathe out. It's not down. about me. Yeah, that, let's, let's calm down. Let's talk over here. Mm-hmm. Let's not. So then there was this process. And then I would be able to get into the confrontation with the person, but it was still difficult. My skin was still flushed. My heart was still pounding. Mm-hmm. After a few years of meditation and then DMT, that gap closed. Mm-hmm. So confrontation happens. Skin doesn't even flush. Heart doesn't even pound anymore. I just respond. All right. Mm-hmm. And that was, I mean, that's, I'm simplifying it a little bit to say it was just DMT, yeah. but it was a connection of that whole journey. And You're then right. 
and then that powerful psychedelic experience and then the other experiences I've had since then. Right. You know, I, the Tantra healing experience that I had <laughs> with Amy, which I talk about on that episode, um, um, that was huge. Can you, can you tell us about it? Yeah, uh, I tell you the shorter version of it. Yeah. It'd be probably easier to listen to the episode, but the, the shorter version is that Amy... Amy basically needed to practice. <laughs> she was getting her Tantra certification. Yeah, I actually, that's where I met Amy. We were in the same, in the same class. course, yeah, Sean's yeah. course, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, she um, she basically needed to practice and I'd already had another very powerful experience with her taking me through a guided meditation. So she took me through this and the long and short of it was that, it's funny, it's actually Utopia connected, I guess. I had this like vision that I was at Utopia and there's nobody else there. And it was just me walking and in, in front of me there was this large dark figure which was mm. very intimidating and scary. And this figure is like looking at me with this very creepy smile. And as she's like guiding me through I tell her, hey, there's somebody else here and this, this, there's this creature here that's making me uncomfortable. And at first she said, well, tell him to go away. And I'm like, go away. And then we went back and forth. I don't remember the exact details. But we went back and forth a couple of times and I was like, and she said, well, what do you want to do to this creature? I'm like, it's the weirdest thing. I kind of want to give him a hug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I do. And then he instantly becomes not scary anymore. Mm-hmm. He's got this mm-hmm. smile. And mm-hmm. then we started to talk about that a little bit. And Amy's like, so it's like a big, dark thing that smiles a lot does that sound kind of familiar Rush? yeah and uh that's so funny we, we kind of i think that was my shadow yeah that i was interacting with and i was seeing him in the way that i fear people see me as this large dark scary thing you're pretty goddamn tall yeah i'm, six five, yeah. I'm a big guy and our I'm, audience can't see no. you but he's very tall I am, I am tall i have i have plenty of baggage in my upbringing of being a large scary brown person um around a lot of white people in suburbia um so Where? yeah I'm sorry, in suburbia. Suburbia, okay. Yeah, in, 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 in East County. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I very clearly to this day remember mm-hmm. being like in fifth or sixth grade and taking the trash out in our apartment complex and this other lady being there and it was like 9 p.m. or something and she's also taking out the trash and she sees me and went, <gasps> and like got really scared and backed off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I was in fifth grade. But like that trauma downloaded into my system. Yeah. I always yeah. remember those situations. And so it's like for years and years, I'm I was just had this taking fear. the trash lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not body parts in that bag. Right. Right. But I mean, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, she had her own trauma. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but, but this, this experience with Tantra, it, it I feel like it mm. made me face my shadow and right. I felt this thing get lifted from my back after that. So awesome. Where is your, uh, if I may ask, what is your background? Where ethnicity or? Persian. My family is from Persian. Iran. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, and I am darker skinned than the average Persian. Okay. Uh, my grandpa was from further south. Mm-hmm. I see. My dad, uh, my grandpa actually looked a lot like Morgan Freeman. It's weird. That's okay. White mustache and brown suit and everything. Interesting. And your parents moved here. So you're first generation or are you? Yeah, they moved here. I was born here. Yeah. And then uh, my dad got homesick. So we moved back to Iran. Uh-huh. And I was there for about three or four years. And then when my parents were divorced, I moved back here. Mm. Okay. Okay. So um, something that we've been trailing off into is a lot of spiritual and self-growth talk. And whenever I hear about Burning Man and the reason people are so drawn to it and why they keep going back, it reminds me of the self-growth I went through with ayahuasca. 
And I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I, I get that part. I, I get why you're drawn to it and how it can promote self-growth for you in that way. Um, and I feel like a lot of people who talk shit on Burning Man they don't understand that there is deep spiritual even if you you know even if you don't like the word spiritual or believe in like spiritual work there's deep self growth occurring Mm -hmm. so can we switch the conversation over to how Burning Man promotes that that is a good question Um, I I mean I know it is my path um, the way that I always describe it to people is that the the community, or even Burning Man, the event itself, like I, you know, the party to me is the carrot on the stick, right. and that might be the thing that draws you in. Because I'll be honest, uh, yeah, if you told me like let's just go hang out, hang out in the desert, you know, alone, that would not have attracted me <laughs> to going out to Burning Man. Let's go, and there's going to be techno. Yeah, that that made me want to fucking go to Burning Man. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then, like, once you get out there, uh, and I don't say my like my beliefs. I'd say the way that I describe it is: this is the place, this is the spiritual conclusion that I have come to. It's where I'm at. It doesn't mean it's the end all be all. I believe we're all. The, again, the spiritual conclusion that I've come to is that we are all walking to that same place in the light. We're just taking different paths. Right. And and you know some of us take. Uh, like, it could be yoga. It could be mm-hmm. religion. It could be Burning Man. There's there's a, there's a million different paths. It's what resonates with you. Um, and yeah, it, you know, Burning Man. I, I think it happened to be that more and more people who were very open to new experiences showed up, and that kept opening the possibilities for more people to show up with open experiences. Um, and you know it's hard to say like i i don't know if burning man org sits down mm. or has like sat down from the beginning and said like we're going to create a giant place for people to have spiritual breakthroughs like i think they were really just focused on making you know a, a place for people to come to and create right but i think the kinds of people that it attracted yeah. then attracted other kinds of people you know yeah. that that showed up in fact i'm pretty sure i talked to somebody who was saying like um larry harvey you know sort of the you know the man behind the the man behind the Burning Man org. Um, I forget what this person was cracking me up. They're like, "Yeah, he fucking hates hippies. Like, <laughs> really had no interest in all these hippies showing up. Like, they were they were making like crazy art and like setting shit on fire and shooting guns and driving on like art cars a hundred miles per hour in the middle of the desert. Mm-hmm. You know, and then all these fucking hippies started showing up and talking about Crystal Haley and this and that. <laughs> and then like somehow it turned into this, but." that was exactly what they needed I guess yeah. you know I don't know it's a it's a for me I, I mean I, I've come to that place where it's like it's definitely it is a religious experience everything yeah. about it feels like a religion to me mm. what I just said right now pisses a lot of burners off why but um but I because they're so anti-religion yeah because I think a lot of burners come from a lot of trauma right with their experiences with religion um like for example, I've been a I've been a part of a lot of conversations with uh, re- recovering Mormons. I'm doing the quotes. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
you know a lot of there's a lot of people in the uh, LB, LBG, LGBTQ LGBT, community yeah. who have dealt with a lot of trauma and bullying yeah. in their life and that and then Burning Man is the first place where they were free yeah. to so express cool. themselves and not be attacked yeah. um, so there's there's a lot of pain that people have experienced that led us yeah. to meet up in the desert I think that last point that you made I think for me it's uh, or at least that's what I noticed it's really and I haven't been to Burning Man but Utopia and Lucidity and all this, these kinds of festivals right, right, right. they really just they provide this environment for you to for the first time to explore yourself you know mm -hmm. and how you might because there's so little judgment I mean no one judges it's, it's so much craziness there that right. you feel like Whatever you're gonna bring is probably gonna, you know, uh, it's it's not gonna hold a candle to whatever else right. is going on. Right. So you you just literally yeah. like I I I took you know I, um for the first time I uh, I took my clothes off completely <laughs> and, and that was like nice. terrifying for me. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, but uh, you know I went through that. Um, I also embraced. I'm also part of the LGBT community. Um, I identify as queer. And, um, you know, it was through lucidity that where I started being able to dance. Like, dancing for me was the only way to express myself uh, is as a pan-gender or gender-fluid mm -hmm. person because I could do it inside my room without anyone yeah. seeing me. And I could dance. Dancing with a feminine quality at, mm. at lucidity was so healing I, I was like in front of people and they were accepting of me and I was like okay I think I can do this and I literally came out like month after so no it was amazing That's it's amazing. just it's so it's just really empowering just to be yourself and having people witness you and not judge you and yeah. and then the rest just happens you know yeah. so it's amazing yeah it's um I mean I, I I can't say for certain what part led to what part but ultimately the burner community like a, i've always tried to like find a way to explain to people what the burner community is and there isn't like a there isn't an archetype of a burner there isn't a single type of burner your doctor your yoga instructor mm -hmm. the artist that you know mm -hmm. accountant engineer scientist mom grandma yeah, sure anybody kids yeah yeah all ages yeah you could be 20 or you could be 70 like there is no specific type of burner. Mm -hmm. Like literally, there is no specific. The single unifying factor, in my opinion, the single unifying factor in, in what makes a burner is that we have all agreed that there's no age limit to play. Mm. And play could be anything. It could be sexual play. Mm -hmm. It could be playing with identity. It could be playing with gender. It could be mm -hmm. playing with art. Mm -hmm. You're encouraged to play. And yeah. just dancing is play it's a form of play we've all agreed you're allowed to play that's the one thing we're never going to judge you on so whatever you do is seen as a, another form of that mm. and it's it's burning man is a umbrella it is and there's tons of sub communities under the burner community which all have been their own communities for a very long time um but they found the Burning Man community as a place where these other communities that have all been out there forever on their own, they were able to come together and, you know, double down on the events that they can throw and that the way that they can play. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. Burning Man is a, I tell, it's like our comic convention. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like you, you have comic book fans that go, you got movie fans that go, you got people that are there for the, for the D and D tournaments. Like mm -hmm. you've got people there for the magic tournament. Like there's all these different people that have all been doing their own thing forever. But comic con is the big one. We're all going to hang yeah. out together. Yeah. 
Uh, go ahead. You were just saying that's funny. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have a question for you, and this is something that I felt this year. So I didn't go to Utopia this year, and actually I had a weird sensation of wanting to distance myself from it. And I don't know why. I, I almost feel like I want to take either take the lessons that I learned last year and actually make it part of my real life before I go back. I just felt like it started becoming a way to escape mm -hmm. from my normal life. And I didn't like that right. because I actually, I mean, I, there's a place and time for that, but I felt like it was almost like a cop out. Like I want to be myself. I want to be everything that I feel inside on the out in actual like everyday communities. Um, so I took a break this year from Burning Man and, and Utopia, but I imagine I'm going to go back. But for some reason, like right now, I feel like, I don't want to go. Right, Did right. you ever experience that? What you're describing is actually a topic that um, I talked about in the past few episodes. Really? Okay. And it's been coming up more. Um, and it, it's something that I've been observing for a long time with my friends who are more on like the spiritual side of the burner community. Um, and, I, and I've seen this a lot. And, and I, I, I fully agree with you. <laughs> and I and I started to feel like there is there are a lot of people like I have I had people that were very close to me in my life I had a couple of partners for example who spent so much time looking for answers from the beyond and then they're not like implementing them here mm. in the real world and they're they keep going back and I, I was feeling that and I've seen the same thing with Burning Man where people keep going back looking for answers or something or they're doing more and more. Their life is just turned into nothing but Burning Man. Mm. And to me, that is basically, it's the same psychological construct that would make one a Bible thumper. Like if that's like all you're doing is you're constantly, your head's in the Bible. The only people you hang out with are at your church. All mm. you're doing is judging the outside. You're not taking those lessons and implementing them into the world. I see. Um, and I've, what you're describing absolutely resonates with me. Okay, I, so I think it's normal. It's, uh, there's nothing. I don't know if it's normal. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's definitely our thought. It's okay. um, but but you know, it's, it, there's a lot of people that go. Um, some people go a couple of times, and then they're like, "Okay, cool. Well, I got my thing out of it. Now I'm going to go do my own thing." Yeah. Then I know lots of other people whose entire lives are about Every Burning moment. Man. I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. Yeah. We need somebody to do the things that they do. Yeah. yeah they're yeah. active in the community. How are you guys? Everybody should follow whatever their path is, wherever you mm -hmm. find it. Um, for you and I, like we're definitely on that page. I think it's like I feel the same way, which is go get the experience, get your lessons, and then go implement them out into the world. And I can tell you, like an example of it actually was um, I had the opportunity to experience five meo DMT mm. uh, uh, this weekend, and I chose not to. Um, and I could just feel every part of every part of where I'm at right now in my human body feels a very strong sense of confidence about where I'm going right now. Beautiful. Like I've, I've gotten all these lessons. I have this huge project that I'm working on right now that I, um, that's going to really be the next chapter of my life with a big team of people. And I've learned lessons from burner podcast and from burning man and from all these journeys that I am implementing into this project. Like everything I've ever done has kind of come together mm, at a head. It's at a culmination. Thing, right. And so, you know, I saw like five, two other people did it before me and they had these kind of crushing experiences, very heavy. They came out of it. Mm. 
one of them admitted to like he yelled out I heard him yell in the middle of his trip I've never really loved myself mm-hmm. and so now he's like dealing with that now he's gonna have to process that for a while mm-hmm. it's not like you just do 5MA DMT eh. and you're done eh. yeah. you know you go and have this conversation with God and now you're gonna have to go eh. reflect on that for a while <laughs> and I looked around at me I'm like you know what I've I've gotten I've gotten all the answers I need yeah. for now. Right, right. Yeah. I have a feeling I'll go back to that in the in right. the future, and I'll feel it what it calls to me. Mm. But I don't feel the need to go back to it right now. Interesting. And I, yeah, that what you're saying totally resonates with me. Okay. Yeah, you should go and get some lessons and do it until you get your clarity and then move on. Everything that you guys are saying once again reminds me so much of ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last time I did ayahuasca, I had the same feeling that you're feeling now. I was like, what? Like what, um, my work, this isn't where my work is anymore. And I, I too have this deep, almost intuitive feeling that I will go back to ayahuasca one day. Mm -hmm. I've always thought, you know, I, I desire the traditional marriage and children in my future. And before that happens, I would like to do ayahuasca with my partner. But, um, but uh, you know, like you were saying, there's people who just keep going back to Burning Man looking for answers, or it's like that's what their life has become. The on one hand, same thing with the ayahuasca community. You have people who uh, become shamans, or they're the facilitators. You know, they're the people who feel very called to helping others within that community. That's a beautiful thing. Um, but then there's people who, and I know this is judge, this is going to sound very judgmental, what I'm about to say, but it's almost like they, they don't keep growing. And in my own personal experience, every lesson and challenge and teacher that I go through makes me grow up a little bit more. And when, once you grow up a little bit more, you're no longer a match to that, which was the catalyst for that growth. You're now a match to a different teacher or a different challenge or a different lesson. And it's, you keep removing those onion layers and with each removal of each onion layer, you're a match to different experiences and different teachers and teachers come in all shapes and forms. You know, I, I could not agree with you more. Yeah. Uh, And just, just even what you're saying about how it reminds you of the Bernie man thing that we're talking about reminds you of ayahuasca. That has absolutely been because I've I've always described Burning Man as a week long psychedelic. Yeah, exactly. It's basically a week long psychedelic where you're getting your ass kicked and you're going through these powerful experiences. Um, it's the same way that like polyamory is like a relationship psychedelic. Right. Um, I think that uh, the same thing with ayahuasca. Uh, I've I've seen exactly the people that you're describing. There's the ones that work with it and they feel called to it to work with the medicine to become facilitators and that's powerful right. you know that's that's incredible and then there's other people that i meet who are doing dmt like every week right and i mean and i and i apologize if it sounds a little judgy but then they just they just honestly like people like that i've noticed they just start to seem kind of weird <laughs> I'm like all you're doing you're doing dmt like every other day like people that are just casually puffing on dmt at the party you know? And the th- the funny thing about DMT is, in my experience mm. of doing DMT of uh, versus doing ayahuasca, is you're not getting the growth 
from smoking DMT like you do when you drink ayahuasca because it happens so quickly and there's not enough time to process all the information that's coming at you. Like I don't I see DMT as a mind trick, you know? It's going to like totally like blow your mind, but in for me it didn't give me this deep work right. and self-growth that I got from ayahuasca. Yeah, I think um I've I have definitely seen what you're describing with people who are doing it casually who like the pretty colors. Um I can tell you, I mean I can't speak for everybody. Uh I, personally, my DMT trip was if I had to point at the single most profound experience that I've had in my life, it was my first DMT trip. Okay. And I had full full blown ego death. Okay. Uh and and I would I Wait, would even can I, say Can I ask you was it the chaga leaves or the crystal? I don't remember. Because <laughs> I've been told that the reason I haven't had the experience that you're talking about is because I was only smoking chaga leaves and chaga leaves don't propel you forward mm. as much as the pure crystal does. It is entirely possible that that is a contributing factor. Um, I would say that I have I used to have the same feeling that you're describing like ayahuasca versus DMT about other substances mm-hmm. but in the time that I've been exploring these communities and doing the show I have met people who have had different most profound experiences of their mm-hmm. life with different substances yeah that's true um, I've met people who've had it with ketamine who had the same kind of potent experience that I had with DMT. I've met people who've done it with LSD. Mm-hmm. I have not had it with LSD. I have not had it with ketamine. So, mm-hmm. um, I think, uh, you know, different, different, different spiritual practices could have been those things, you know, there's, there's all these things, but it, what, where I've come to is that I think each one of us chooses whatever path we're on and we find the different tools that help us navigate whatever these growth experiences are. Right, totally. Um, and that's further solidified for me um, why there's like the experience of, you know, for some people it's a religious thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to church enough times and you feel that sense of speaking to God. Um, for, for somebody else it's yoga. For somebody mm-hmm. else it's this kind of thing. And I've seen enough different people have these experiences through different avenues uh, to... I know just enough to know that I don't know shit. <laughs> I know that different people are getting it through different ways. Yeah. How about it? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is an awesome discussion. I feel like we can probably go on for hours and always, hours. But, um, how are you holding up? I, so you you told great. us, uh, yeah, you're still decompressing. You had a you had a full day of work today, or did you? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm a photographer, so it's like okay, it's a uh, I, I shoot for a for a public agency. Um, so, you know, a lot of my day is involved, like responding to emails and kind of going through photos and responding to some things like that. So it's mm-hmm. not, you know, it's not heavy brain lifting, yeah. but cool. <laughs> it's fascinating work. I, I, I was at Yosemite this weekend instead of Utopia and I, I ran into this guy, uh, me and my partner, um, his name was Frank and he was shooting images or taking pictures of the, some of the fires that were burning near Yosemite and mm-hmm. also just, uh, we had uh, one day of rain, which took all the smoke out, and you can see, wow. uh, you know, the half dome like beautifully clear and stuff. So right. he was uh, telling us, uh, you know, the the challenges of being a photographer. So I, I think I've gained an appreciation for what you do. Yeah. Um, no, thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not easy work. 
Can yeah. you uh, can you tell people um, all about where they can find the Burner Podcast and Crappy Awesome Podcast and yeah. all the million other projects and you the have going on? Yeah. 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 yeah, photography pays the rent. There's a bunch of different projects. Mrarash.com <laughs> um, Mr. is my personal website. That's M R A R A S H dot com. That's yeah. got links to everything. Uh, Burnerpodcast.com is, of course, where Burner Podcast is. It's also um, you'll find links there to uh, our other show, which is Burner Podcast Presents Alkaline. And that's uh, DJs, DJ mixes, but exclusive mixes from DJs active in a community. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another show on there called Into the Fire, which is hosted by Super Sues out of the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're working on getting more Burner affiliated shows on there. Uh, and then uh, Crappy Awesome, it, you can Google it, pretty easy to find. It's epic, <laughs> epic archive of shows, but that's over at platformcollection.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like I don't have enough stuff on my plate. There's a, <laughs> another one I'm not ready to announce yet. Okay. Okay. But is that the one that you're, you yeah. mentioned earlier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That, that one you'll, you may, you'll probably see hopefully in about three months. Okay. Uh, I look but, forward to it. Yeah, that, that one's, that's taking everything I've ever worked on in the past and it's all come together. That's so cool. Oh, so. I can't wait to see it. Okay, so we have one question that we ask every, every guest at the end of each episode. Uh, you can pause and take as much sure. time as you need to answer it. So uh, what would, what is, one thing you wish every human being in the world knew right now? Mm. <laughs> oh, that's good. What is one thing every human being? And the, the reason I never warn our guests about this question is like, I just totally want to surprise you with it. Right, and right, right. See what pops up in your mind first. Like, I already know what it is. I'm just trying to figure out sort of how to articulate it. Um, So the experience that I had with my with my DMT trip was was leaving my body and arriving at this place, which was all it was the root of the collective consciousness. It was the Godhead, and I arrived at a place where I was no longer me. Um, and the, it was it's like the, the Alan Watts describes. You know, there's each one of your fingers feels like its own thing, but then they're all part of the hand. They're part of the same thing. Man, I mean, if it was possible to just download that information into everybody's brains, I feel like you would very quickly see a noticeable percentage of the horrible things that are happening in the world. Mm-hmm. At least slow down for a little while. <laughs> They're probably, you know, I mean, the ego always brings you back, but if it was possible to get everybody to know that, that, you know, you're, we're all we're all part of the same thing. We're right. all in this thing together. Right. If it was possible to, to download that information to the collective unconscious at a, in a way that they could remember it for, I don't know, at least an hour. Yeah. <laughs> um, it would, it would immediately, I would like to believe that it would immediately be a, a better world for a little while, at least. I completely agree. Maybe we could build on that. That is a beautiful answer. Yeah, it really uh, is. Um, well, we really appreciate you coming to uh, talk to us this yeah. podcast. Thank you. I appreciate and, you guys having uh, me. 
definitely tuning into all your work. I've um, actually before this podcast, I, I checked some of your work and I, I immediately got hooked. So I, I'll be following you. <laughs> cool. Um, is there anything else, Nicole, that you would like to say before? No, I just you're so busy, and it means so much to me <laughs> okay. that you came and sat with yeah. us. I really appreciate it. No, it means a lot to be asked. I really appreciate you guys. I, I want to support people doing what you're doing, whatever's yeah. within my power. I'm going to hand it over to you. Yeah, right. Sounds good. All right. All Cheers. Right. Thank good you. Night. Bye.